Hello, everybody, and welcome to Western New York Brews episode 10. My name is Scott. I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. And this week, I'm talking to Brad Smith, the creator of Beersmith Brewing Software. I'm currently drinking an Ellicottville Lloyd Christmas Ale. If you're drinking with me, we're going in three, two, one. And once again, thank you. My name is Scott. We're talking with Brad Smith, the creator of the Beersmith Brewing Software. If you're not familiar with it, it's the software that I use when I brew. It comes on the Mac, on PC, on iOS, and on Android, and I own all of the copies. I own one on my PC, on my iPhone, and on my Android tablet. I find it useful. There's a cloud sync feature. And when I was talking to the members of my homebrew club, you know, what should I talk to Brad Smith about? The number one thing people wanted to hear about was Brad Smith. So Brad Smith has a podcast. It's the Beersmith Brewing Podcast. You should check it out at beersmith.com. That's where you can download the software as well. Highly recommend that you do that. We come up with his first most important tip in just a few minutes, but we start with a little bit of background about Brad. So enjoy. Now you say you you've you grew up in, in Rochester. Were you brewing when you were in Rochester? No, I actually didn't start until uh, till I got out of college, you know. Um, were you in warmer weather? I started in 1987, and I was in San Antonio then, so it was significantly <laughs> warmer than uh, than Rochester, New York. All right, never mind then. Well, I have you know I have brewed in cold weather though because I moved around a lot. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge sometimes. I mean, when it gets really really cold, like last year, we had uh, you know a number of weeks down below the teens, and um, I ended up doing some brewing a bag batches on the stove, uh, mini batches instead of uh, instead of doing the full thing outside just because I didn't want to be that cold. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The brew in the bag. A couple of the guys in our in our homebrew group are primarily brewing a bag. What are you primarily? Um, I primarily just do traditional all grain, actually. All grain. And uh, I actually have a very simple brewing system, surprise. A lot of people are surprised to find out. You know, I just, uh, I primarily brew five gallon, although I occasionally do 10 gallon, but most of the time I do five gallon batches just because I enjoy doing a lot of different beers. And uh, I still brew with a, you know, uh, like an eight or nine gallon pot and uh, a big Eagle cooler. And, uh, you know, just the, the same stuff that most people uh, have access to. Do you still get to do it often? Not as often as I like. Uh, unfortunately, one, one of the challenges when you take your hobby and you make it into a business is uh, <laughs> often you don't get to enjoy the hobby quite as much. So, no, I don't get to brew as much as I'd like, I, you know, probably every uh, month or two at most. Beersmith, the story behind the software. First of all, I have Beersmith on my computer, which people can buy on their computer. I have it on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Android. So it was important to have that cloud feature that you have to keep everything synced up. But whatever I have on me at that moment, I want to make sure I can always refer to my recipe and the notes from the last time I brewed it. Sure. So when you started the software, because I think we're on Beersmith 2.0 right now, or 2 yeah, at least. 2.2, I think, something like that. 2.2. Did that come as as I'm doing this for me or more as, uh, you know what, I think a lot of people would need this? No, I, I started back in 2003 with Beersmith 1.0. Um, 
And originally I developed the software just because I wanted uh, to use it for myself. And it started out as a little project for myself. And then slowly, uh, you know, a couple friends started using it and they enjoyed it. And then um, uh, a gentleman named Steve, actually from Australia, uh, helped me uh, push it to the next level, really, and said, hey, you know, this is something really cool. Uh, I think I met him on one of the forums. And he started uh, uh, providing suggestions that eventually turned into Beersmith One. And it took, oh, probably a little over a year to get uh, even the first version out. And um, and then it was, uh, I think it was 2011 before we came out with Beersmith Two, actually. You know, there's a series of upgrades in between where I added more features and so on. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it took a while to get there. Uh, <laughs> it's really <laughs> comprehensive. Yeah, it is. Uh, I started uh, uh, full time actually, so so that, you know the business was a hobby business for many many years, and then I started working full time on it in 2010, and uh, that allowed me to finish Beersmith Two in 2011, which you know it's it's a fairly complex piece of software, um, but uh, has a lot of the features that that people want. Now, when I'm using Beersmith, I've I've of course I've been to your blog. It's it's beersmith.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I've looked up recipe creation because I've only I've been brewing for about three years. Uh, the way that I attack recipe creation is very similar to what you wrote on your blog, where mm-hmm. I, I'll go for a style guideline and then I'll, I'll look up a couple of recipes. I'll throw things in there and then I'll start to tweak the numbers. Um, and to be honest, when I was listening to your episode with uh, Randy Mosher about creating mm-hmm. recipes, I was completely lost. He he knows a lot. He was he Randy was, is great. Well, Rand, you know, Randy, I, I love Randy because Randy is 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 an artist. Yeah, and uh, he's a graphic artist by trade, and that's what he does for a living. And so he thinks in a totally different way than uh, I do. I'm my background is I'm an engineer, and a lot of us uh, uh, in the homebrewing industry are, are engineers. And interestingly, the engineers dominated the discussion. Uh, through the early 90s, primarily because they were the people who had access to the internet at that time. (laughs) And so so, uh, a lot of the homebrewing literature and stuff is written by engineers, and it sort of has a mechanical approach to to building recipes. But um, one of the things I enjoy about Randy is he takes the opposite approach. He's a very creative artist. And so he'll do crazy things like, you know, what if I caramelize some bananas and, and make a beer based on that? Or, you know, and I mean, he, he does. He has uh, he owns actually a commercial brewery and they do that kind of stuff. He's like, you know, how do I caramelize, uh, you know, 10,000 pounds of bananas so I can commercialize this beer? Uh, <laughs> really creative stuff. And I mean, you know, there's 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 merit to both approaches. Certainly, there, you know, there's 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 merit if you're if you're trying to duplicate a particular style, you're trying to duplicate a particular commercial beer. You know, there's certainly merit to, to looking into that particular beer style and researching all the ingredients and and approaching, uh, you know, the grain bill. You know, what percentage of this do I need? What percentage of that do I need? But I th- also think there's some really uh, real merit to, to Randy's approach, which is much more artistic, which is, you know, he'll he'll say, you know, like, uh, you know, like I said, I, re- I really like bananas or, I you know, or I, I found this exotic fruit in Brazil. I'd like to build a beer around that, you know. Um, and you get some great new styles and flavors out of that, too. The latest so, episode um, where he was talking about the uh, the beer styles, the historical uh, beer yeah. styles was really interesting, too. But about the same thing, about an hour into it, I'm like, I'm full. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle anymore. <laughs> he's great. I, you know, I, I also recommend he's got a new book called Mastering Homebrew Out. Um, 
And uh, it's actually out now. Uh, it came out in the spring, and um, it's a comprehensive book. It covers all of brewing. But what I what I really enjoy, he's got a couple chapters on the flavors of things. And uh, one of the challenges that a lot of homebrewers don't really understand and don't have the knowledge of is what the individual things actually taste like. You know, what does mosaic taste like? What does you know fuggles taste like? What does no. Uh, Maris Otter pale malt tastes like when you put it in a beer. And um, he has a great chapter uh, on on the various ingredients and, and approaches them from a flavor perspective. And I think having that knowledge can really, uh, really help you develop great beers. And what I, I like about the software is that you have, you'll have two row in there, but you have like five different kinds of two row in there. And they... They changed the numbers. I know that they must taste different, but being so so new at this, only about three years in, probably probably three dozen brews about once a month. Um, there's still so much I haven't tried. Yeah, I mean, all uh, a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm just going to use ten pounds of pale malt. Well, all pale malts are not created the same. No. Uh, a lot of them are created from different barley's, and all of those different barley's, none of the none of the maltsters use the same process for roasting those barleys or, or toasting those barleys or drying those barleys. And they all have their own process for malting them as well. So, I mean, you're going to get a different flavor profile depending on the brand. And um, if you go to add-ons at Beersmith, I do have uh, a lot of add-ons as well uh, where you can download individual um, ingredient profiles for the, uh, you know, like Brees and some of the other big maltsters too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, part of learning the ingredients is understanding what the different malts and what the different hops bring uh, to the table. For example, the uh, uh, to to go in line with that, what you were saying, the Grotzer episode. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce the Polish, even though I am Polish. The Grolczynski. Grozinski. Yeah. yeah, I think is how it's pronounced anyway. The, the episode. One of the guys in our homebrew club just brewed some. I I haven't been able to get a hand on his yet. But that's something if I if I wanted to try and I smoke a lot of meat at the house, I have no idea what that tastes like. Yeah, Grodziski is a, a historical beer from Poland. Yeah. And um, it's based around a, a malt, uh, uh, a malted oat uh, that's smoked. So it's a smoked oat base and the smoked oat provides a lot of the flavor. Um and there's been, you know, uh, going back, you know, kind of the historical thing, um, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion over what it should taste like. And they've actually, uh, uh, <laughs> they actually pulled uh, some of the brewers because they, they stopped brewing this beer, I think, in the 50s, actually, mm -hmm. commercially. And so uh, they brought back some of the uh, uh, original brewers from the 50s, people that worked at the brewery, to taste the beer to say, oh, yeah, this is what it actually tastes like. Because <laughs> you know, nobody really knows. I mean, it's been, it hasn't been brewed for uh, 60 or 70 years, right? Have except you had for, any? Except for a handful of people. Um, I have had some smoke. It's, it's, it's great beer, and it's got a nice, uh, nice finish to it, actually. Uh, it's not uh, over the top like some, uh, some smoked beers can be. I, I, I personally, I, I enjoy smoked beers, but I don't like it when it's overdone. Uh, that's my profile anyways. Excellent. So if I were, if I were attacking Beersmith for the first time, I'm, I'm throwing in my recipe. Maybe I've, I've done it in something else, or maybe I've just written it out. I'm throwing it in for the first time. Do you have any tips? Oh, yeah. Well, the first thing I always tell everybody is uh, you really need to set up a good equipment profile that matches your equipment because um, the numbers you get out of the program are really only good as the numbers you put in. And if you don't have a, uh, 
if you don't have an equipment profile that matches up with your equipment, you know, the volumes are going to be wrong. The, the mash temperatures are going to be right. You know, everything's going to be wrong. And probably the best place to start is if you go to beersmith.com slash video. Nice. Uh, there's a whole series of video tutorials there that will walk you through the most important first step, setting up your equipment. And then, you know, the, the, the other things like building your first recipe. Um, but generally, if you have a good equipment profile that actually matches your numbers in terms of volumes and everything else, um, and you pick the ingredients, you should come pretty close with your first batch. Do you do your note taking? Do you do it in Beersmith or do you have a separate binder? Do you prefer the paper? I actually still use, uh, I, I use Beersmith. I, I, I don't uh, use the binder anymore. Um, <laughs> Even if thing, you didn't, you should have said you did. Well, I mean, the program has, uh, <laughs> a program actually has multiple levels of backups built into it. And then, yeah. uh, of course, I, you know, I learned, learned uh, many years ago to back up all my data. So I back it up online uh, all the time. You know, it gets backed up every night. So I don't really worry about um, losing it anymore. But uh, yeah, back in the old days, I used to have a binder, certainly, but I don't anymore. When I use my binder, I get beer all over it on the brew days. So that's why I like yeah. to keep it in the computer. I have some of my originals from uh, like 1986 still uh, stuffed in a, one, of my blue, <laughs> one, of my, one of my boxes of beer equipment. So 1986, if I'm doing the math, do you have, do you have a really terrible beer that sticks out? I don't want to bring you back to the bad memories. Oh, well, you know, you got to understand, uh, you know, 86, 87, it was the Wild West back then. I mean, you didn't, we didn't have any beer recipe software. We didn't have any real understanding of the process, honestly, or the flavors or the quantities involved. We would just go, you know, <laughs> we would literally go, you know, I'm going to add an ounce of this and a couple ounces of that and see what happens. And, and it was uh, um, usually a disaster, quite honestly. Um, probably my worst disaster, I think one of the very first beers I brewed was a stout. And uh, it got either got overcarbonated or actually what I think happened is, you know, we we also had wonderfully stale ingredients at that time. That, nice. you know, you'd go to the store and they'd have the hops laying on the shelf and they'd have cans that you know may have come from Australia or, or the UK years ago and had been sitting on the shelf for years. And so um, <laughs> so the net result was a, was a bottle bomb, actually. <laughs> and one day it hasn't uh, happened yet. One day, one of these stouts went off while I was at work uh, and exploded literally all over the kitchen. And it looked like, you know, it looked like a bomb had gone off in my kitchen. And there was stout <laughs> all over the walls, all over, you know, the entire kitchen. That was probably my worst experience. The beer wasn't that bad, surprisingly, but uh, but uh, a little over carbonated. I appreciate it. I'm going to send people to beersmith.com slash video. Before I let you go, because this is Western New York. Sure. Do you have... When you go, I assume every once in a while you make it back to Rochester. I do. Yeah, I still have my folks up there. Do you have your favorites in Rochester? Oh, favorite boy. Breweries, you know, favorite beers. I mean, Genesee. Well, you know, I, I have uh, fond memories. <laughs> my father's favorite beer was Genesee Cream Ale. Nice. And that I think sense. he still drinks Genesee Cream Ale all the time. and. It is kind of a kind of a classic cream ale, but yeah. uh, hardly. And uh, of course, that predates the whole craft brewing uh, industry. But um, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of something I think of every time I go back to Rochester because uh, that's what he always used to drink. Um, but no, actually, I haven't been to a lot of craft breweries in Rochester. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think when I go up there, I'm usually with a you know with the uh, <laughs> spending time with the family and not not necessarily hanging out at the breweries. But. Uh, <laughs> 
but I know that you know, they have a lot of great, great craft breweries up there now. And it's, we're, we're very lucky now. I mean, we've got 4,000 craft breweries now, yeah. uh, which is actually more in the United States than we had before prohibition. So, I mean, that's a pretty amazing uh, transition in, you know, 20, 25 years that, uh, you know, basically since the early nineties, when the craft beer revolution started, uh, now we're up to 4,000 breweries. It's just wonderful. Hey, well, thank you very much. Anything you want to add? Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Uh, uh, you know, I just encourage people to get out there and try new things. You know, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, brew a small batch and and um, try something new because uh, who knows, you might invent the next great beer. Uh, it's It's been interesting. I, yeah, I get to go to the homebrew conference every year and... Uh, uh, it's always uh, a pleasure on, on Homebrewers Night. You know, we have Craft Brewers Night first, which is wonderful, but then we have Homebrewers Night. And Homebrewers Night is always better than Craft Brewers Night because people are willing to, you know, hang themselves out on a limb and they brew beers that aren't necessarily commercially viable. And, uh, you know, some of the, the variety of beers and the, the taste of the beers, the flavor, the passion people put into them is just incredible. So, you know, don't be afraid to try something new. Well, have a good one. Thank you. Thanks again. So once again, I, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can go to beersmith.com to find out all about Beersmith, the software and the blog that Brad Smith runs. We'll see you in episode 11. Once again, thank you to the Rearview Ramblers for the use of their song as our theme song. You can't buy beer with condolences. My name is Scott, and I'll talk to you on episode 11. You can't buy beer with condolences. Not a story.